David. Are you alright? What did they do to you? David, I'm so sorry. Are you hurt? I've been out of my mind of worry. I couldn't stop them taking you away and, and then they put me in the car and drove me and drove me. They asked me question after question. I couldn't answer them but it wasn't enough and they said that they would hurt you if I didn't tell them. The Sky Machine by Martin Liddermont Performed by Jennifer Bardsley and Martin Liddermont Chapter 8 If I Saw Through Your Eyes say something. Alright. Alright. Let's just sit and you can get oriented again after being in the dark. David? Okay. Sorry. I won't touch you. I just wanted to. Alright. We'll sit here. You know where we are? Behind King's Cross of all places. Well, several streets behind and down an access road, but... It's only a short walk to the station. That's weird, isn't it? After all the places we've been to end up here in a garage at the back of King's Cross. David, I wish you'd say something. Right. I think... I think if I were you, I'd want to know how I found you. They drove me back to London and questioned me some more in a warehouse on a scruffy industrial estate. I was in pieces, but they must have believed I had nothing more I could tell them, so then they threw me out. Just like that, physically pushed me out the door. Maybe they thought I'd run and keep running, but I got to a main road and flagged down a taxi. It was pure luck that it was passing. The driver must have thought I was mad. I crouched down in the back seat and told him to wait, and then to follow a white SUV once it came out the estate. It took half an hour, and then the SUV came out, and my driver, he was good. We drove round the block the opposite way, and caught up with them at the next junction. I was terrified they'd spot us, but they just kept on, all the way into the centre until they got to these lock-ups, and they stopped outside. The taxi driver kept going and dropped me a couple of streets away. I ran back and hid behind some bins. I was only just in time. I saw one of them come out of this garage and shut it, and then he got in the SUV and drove off. I waited for ages before I could pluck up the carriage to come and look inside. I walked up to the garage and passed it twice. You probably heard me. I was frightened that one or more of them might still be in here, and I was frightened that if I was wrong and I opened the door that, well, there would be no one here at all, or, or that I would find you and... Or that you'd be... It's all my fault. All my fault. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. David, please speak to me. At least shout at me or swear or do something. Don't just sit. You have every right to be angry. I don't blame you. I'll put you through shit and 
You've given up everything to help. You even stood by me when that bitch farmer threatened us. What? You want a hug? David, come here. David? David! Why? David! Why are you pulling? David, leave it alone. Don't pull my jacket. No! David. David, stop. David! Shit. Oh, shit. How did you know? Was it because I wore it so much? Or because I had it on in the hotel that first day? It was hot, wasn't it? You must have wondered why I was wearing it indoors. Fuck them. Bastards. It was the best thing I had to hide it under. And then they said that if you got used to seeing me wear it, you'd just accept me as being a bit odd. Look. Look, it's switched off. Look, I'll pull the wires out. Look. I'm stamping on the thing. It's dead. Oh, God. I've been so bad at this. I've been useless, haven't I? I knew I was making mistakes. Not big ones, just little errors in things. I thought maybe I would get away with it. There was this momentum, wasn't there? We were moving so fast and I, I thought it would be enough to cover our cracks in the story, but you're bright, you're a clever person. You would always see through it, in time. Like Orkney. I saw the way you looked at the flat when we went in the first time. It was too unlived in. Even I could see that. No dust on anything. Too tidy for a person like me. My heart sank when I realised. But then you didn't say anything and I thought, well I might get away with it. But I made some more slips. Like talking about the tourists and the cruise ships. They don't dock at Storm Nest. They come into Kirkwall. I realised after I'd said it. And those noctilucent clouds. I never should have improvised and said I'd seen them from Orkney. They're so rarely seen in the UK, you were bound to know when and where. You're a cloud specialist. What was I thinking? But I had to lie. They have him, David. They've got Carl. I don't know where, but I know he's alive. They showed me pictures. The people from Hellazon. They're doing the rocks dirty work and they're profiting from wherever they're supplying to the Russians and the Chinese, maybe to the Americans as well. For all we know, every major power could be building arrays, using ionospheric heaters, Ellison are raking it in as well as being hired goons. You know they have a seat on the rock's board. I found that out. No secret about it. It's as though the more brazen you are, the less anyone questions what's happening. You knew Carl was alive, didn't you? What was it? Did you look at the reports when you were in Kirkwall Library? Did you go online and check the passenger list for that flight? They were published in the Indian press, but not the UK. So I thought you wouldn't go digging, but you did that, didn't you? You idiot! They would have spotted that! Why did you do it? No. No, I I'm sorry. You're not an idiot. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. When were you going to tell me? When we got back to London, or before? Would you have come out with it when we were in that cafe by the lock? Or would you have kept it to yourself, and watched me watching you? I shouldn't pity myself, as I deserve your anger. You should really hate me, David. I nearly got us killed in Kippera. That terrified me. 
That wasn't supposed to happen. You were meant to be frightened, that's all. It was supposed to convince you that we were onto something so important that people tried to silence us in any way they could. But that person at the facility, Hellison's man, screwed up. If I hadn't been expecting it, well, I managed to pull you clear. I don't think you realised at the time. If I hadn't known... Oh, God. I can't think about it. I had nightmares for days after. It's partly the reason I asked you to make that promise. That morning by the lock. I wanted to protect you. And now I know I've broken that promise to myself coming to find you. I had to, though. I had to tell you the truth. You deserve to know. I'm so weak. I should have gone to the police as soon as they threatened me, but I was away from home at the conference and I was alone and there was nobody to turn to. They said they'd hurt Carl so badly and they were cold, David, like ice. Matter of fact, that's what scared me the most. I believed every word they said. He just turned up at my room. I was unpacking and he came in with one of those guards. Pale eyes, like the guy in the cafe. Only these were tinged with green. It was like staring into an old bottle glass. He had very light hair. He seemed wispy, as if he might be blown away at any moment. Came in without a word and sat down on my bed, as if he had an absolute right over my space, over me. Despite being so slightly built, there was something so confident about him. Like I was completely his, before he even opened his mouth. I can remember exactly what he said. Dr. Lystrammer, you've been looking at things that you shouldn't have. There's no good outcome from that sort of inquisitiveness. You've been rash and I'm afraid to say there's a price to pay. I just... It was like... Like a slap in the face or being unexpectedly drenched with cold water to hear someone talk like that to you. Like they had walked out the pages of some cheap thriller. I'm sure he knew that. They know how we think. It was all to put me off balance. And it worked. Then he said, No, let me be absolutely accurate. It's not you who will pay the price. It's your brother. I can't comprehend why you would involve him. You're supposed to be fond of him, maybe even love him. Not that I fully understand that emotion, but I'm told it's a powerful one that can transcend fear. But not in your case, maybe. You're frightened to me. But returning to your brother, Carl, why would you send him on such a mission? Do you really think that we can't defend ourselves from that kind of intrusion? Your brother was clumsy. He was obvious and he was arrogant and that's why we caught him that's why we have him and that's why we'll hurt him over and over again if you don't do what we ask and then he took out his phone and handed it to me and there were pictures and a video he said carl was in constant pain and i had to do what they said you need to know, don't you? I'll tell you. Please don't hate me more than you already do. I swear. All it was, it was nothing beyond finding out what you knew. I had to discover everything you'd been thinking about or that you believed. 
Anything to do with geoengineering and deliberate climate change. I don't understand it. Why would they make me do it? You didn't even believe in the things my group had discovered. Farmer didn't. The other scientists didn't. But he forced me to do it. Made me wear that wire. Made me lead you on. I had to let you help me. Even though you were putting your own career at risk. And now it's come to this. They've ruined us and turned us against each other and they've taught, done that horrible thing to you. It's their way of telling us to stop for good, to get us out of the rock and out of their world. I can't run anymore, David. I'm not strong enough. I want Carl back and I want, I want us to be safe. I didn't mean to make such a mess. I've still got something that I can do. One thing. I can do this for you. And for me, maybe. And for my group. But it's dangerous and if they find out, then I think they'll kill me. No matter what. And they might do the same to you. To us all. This might be so dangerous for them that they'll judge it's safer to have us out of the way forever. Do you want to know? Can you trust me on this? I don't deserve your trust, I realise that, but I'm offering you the possibility of discovering the truth. It's outside of my reach and I can't unlock the box it's hidden inside, but maybe you can. Look. No, listen. No, please don't get up. Don't go. David. Okay. That's good. That's good. You're willing to listen? Can we sit down again? The thing is, when I asked Carl to hack into the rock, he made progress faster than I led you to believe, led them to believe. They were listening to us, after all, listening the whole time. There was no flight back from India, you know that now. Carl was in Delhi doing a contract, and he did send me the first two messages, but they were sent a week apart, not 16 hours like I said. He was going to head back to the UK and he did have something, I'm sure of it. That third message, it must have been sent as they were coming for him. I've been imagining Carl hearing people break into his room, maybe waving guns or following him until they frightened him and then chasing him down a back street, cornering him. There hasn't been a moment since Helsinki when I haven't thought about him. He's my little brother. The computer whiz kid who teased me about how hopeless I am for getting time zones. I know what Hellazen are like. They've told me what they do, the methods they have. The videos that person showed me of Carl. The sound. Oh God, David. How often can I say I'm sorry? But I am. I am. I've been so selfish. All the time thinking about Carl, thinking about me, what I had to do always trying to keep a lie going and all the time I was feeling I don't want to lose you. There you are. I've said it now and it's probably just the latest in a long line of stupid things I've said and done. I know you don't have feelings for me, definitely not now, but I want you to know you've come to mean so much to me. I would have rather died than put you through this, but I can give you something. Look. Take it. Go on, please. Yes.
as the memory stick. Think about it. Helizan must have realised that Carl had downloaded information from the rock. That person in Kipra, in the storage facility. He said he had something on a flash drive. He was trying to get a reaction from me and inside I jumped because I had this all along. Maybe that's why he tried to kill us rather than scare us. It could have been my stupid reaction. But there was only this one drive sent. Just before I flew to Helsinki, I received it in an airmail package. Carl must have managed to get it posted just before he was taken. There was a note. All it said was that he had got into some deep part of the database and that he was finding things that looked interesting, but that most of the stuff would probably only make sense to a climatologist. But I can't read the drive. That morning at the conference when you saw me working on my laptop, I was trying to see what was on it. No joy. It's not loading anything, and I've had no time since then to get on a computer. I was lucky that Hellerson didn't know about it. For some reason they never searched me. I think they were preoccupied with just getting me to wear the wire and talk to you. They didn't check me thoroughly. I had the memory stick slipped into the seam of my jacket. Ironic, yes? I want you to have it. Take it and find out what's on it, David. I've been thinking about the blue marble. That picture of our fragile, vulnerable planet looking so isolated in space. It seems like I could reach out my hand and touch it, hold it in my fingertips and turn it this way and that before my eyes. Like I'm a small god, examining the thing, peering down past the clouds and the thin blue line of the atmosphere, sensing the warmth in the oceans, feeling their currents moving, rising and falling, circulating around the globe. It's precious. All life is precious. And it's so easily bruised and destroyed. And for what? To feed the greed of the people like Helizon. But they're not the real offenders. That's the governments, manoeuvring to gain an inch of advantage. Thinking they need to secure resources to continue to take, 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 because that's what will make them stronger, satisfy their populations. They're like criminals. Petty criminals in gangs with such limited, such parochial visions that we would laugh at them if they weren't so dangerous. And like those gangs, they fight over territory with arbitrary, meaningless boundaries and they'll kill each other because of which side of an imaginary line someone stands. They have no comprehension of how small the things are that they claim, or how much grander the universe is than their narrow vision encompasses. So they continue down their mad path to destruction because they need to feel important. They need to have authority over their little domains and believe that they're the strongest, the most successful, the biggest bastards on the block. And all the time, this vastness of space is all around them, all around this slowly spinning rare jewel of a world. That endless blackness, studded with points of light and the worlds of the galaxies going on forever, colder and more austere and so much more magnificent and beautiful, so much larger, greater than they can ever be. That's why I'm doing this, because I look at that blue and white image of Earth and I see the clouds that you understand and the oceans that I know and all those lands where the people live and love and 
deserves so much better. If we care about it and explain how much at risk it is, and if we know it and our place on it, we might just have a fighting chance of preserving it. I want Helizen to lose. I want it so badly, David. And I want to have Carl back. But more than all of that, I want our world to live unmolested. Take that drive. Find out the truth. Leave me here. No arguments. No. Hush. Hush now. They'll know something's up. I'm sure that when I destroyed their wire, they'll have got a signal. And they're probably headed back here as I speak. I'll wait for them. I'll store them while you get away. There's nowhere for me to go anymore. Maybe if they take me, then they'll let Carl go. I doubt it, but at least you'll get some time to find out what's on the drive. That's right. Go. I'm okay. I want this. David, please try to stay safe. And if you can bring this to an end, then if there's any hope for me and Carl, I know you'll try to find us. That's good. He's going. Don't turn back. Just keep walking. Walking away. That's right. I love... Sky Machine is written and produced by Martin Liddermont. Performed by Jennifer Bardsley and Martin Liddermont. Music by Purple Planet Music, Daniel Birch and the Pangolins. Additional sounds by Strangely Gnarled on freesound.org. <laughs>